What if you could say an all-in yes to yourself for 2022? What if you could commit fully to the things you said you were going to do, to the vision that you have, and to be in the room with a mentor who will hold you accountable, cast an even wider vision for you, and give you the strategy, tools, tactics, and support to ensure that these things come to fruition. Welcome to the iconic experience. Oh, just like comes out of me from the depths of my soul, this program, if I can even call it that. It's just not. That's why it's called the iconic experience. It is an experience. And it is one of the biggest gifts I've ever put out into the world. You are going to be part of a mastermind, a high level executive roundtable of perfectly welcomed in and invited in souls who will collaborate with you and network with you and stretch you and share ideas and all the goodness that comes out of a mastermind is so extraordinary. So you're going to have that every month. You're going to have group Voxer. So that mastermind stays active and you can drop in and ask questions and really share with one another and build deep, meaningful relationships. And on top of that, I thought, what could I do to expand this beyond something that I've seen out there in this world? And that is you have a full iconic experience by welcoming yourself into the rooms of everything I launch live in 2022. So you do not need to contemplate whether you should or do I want to invest. You get to sit back and receive for the entire year as the result of a single yes to yourself. One yes gets you a mastermind for the entire year full of really wicked women, group Voxer with these same women and myself, and you walk in the room for all the live coaching programs that I launch in 2022. You're just in. You're in the room. So this is really for the woman who is ready to lead, lead herself, lead her business, lead her life. And if this sounds like, ooh, it's a prayer I've been asking for, and I just want to say yes to something and just enjoy the experience versus looking constantly for the next thing, the next answer, the next coach, oh, the confusion, the chaos, the energy that is expended through that. Welcome to the iconic experience. You can come into the DMs tell me you're interested, ask the questions. I am so excited to answer them and to get to know you and see if this is a fit for you. Welcome to the best year of your life in 2022. And I'm telling you right now, the iconic experience is going to be like the rocket that's going to take you to the whole new level, the one that you've been asking for. Trusting him was really just learning to love myself. I am not whole because he loves me and because he is faithful to me. And that's how I felt at the beginning. If I'm his one and only, if he doesn't look at that pretty waitress or if he doesn't glance at the movie screen at those pretty women, then I am worthy. And if he does, then my world shatters. As I learned to love myself and gain confidence with myself, it didn't matter what he was doing, if he was doing anything. It just mattered that I was confident with myself. I had my own back. Welcome to the Becoming Iconic Podcast. I am your host, Jen Spiegel. I am a life, business, and brand stylist. 
And after years of helping thousands of female entrepreneurs grow successful businesses and lives, I was called to bring these delicious conversations forward for those of you who are ready to build, expand, and actually enjoy all the desires of your heart. I'm so confident that this podcast will support you as you start to elevate and pursue the highest version of yourself. Thank you for being here. Sink in and enjoy. Welcome icons to today's podcast. I have a really special guest with a profound story that I know will be impactful for you. I know we all love comeback stories. We all love to know of stories of hope and overcoming and learning lessons and applying them and thriving in life. And Marky is definitely that person that I've seen. I got to meet her through a coaching program and sort of watched her journey over social media and really excited to share her with you today. So Marky Etier is escaped domestic sex trafficking as a young adult only to find herself in a larger spiral of substance and self-hatred. Through setbacks, heartbreak, and shame, Marky fought to heal her mind and learn how to love. And now she's a woman's fitness coach and she inspires others to get in shape and heal in more than one way. And I would have to say, Marky, of course you do that because your story is just profound. It's, um, I think, one that people need to hear. I'm all about awareness. I'm all about teaching people what the world really is like because when we know these things we can then make an impact and make a change and so thank you for being vulnerable thank you for sharing this with us and thank you for being on this podcast today oh no problem I'm happy to be here such a pleasure. So Marky, if I can just be so bold just to jump in with you and I don't know your full story. I've heard a little bit of a podcast, but I really wanted to come into this conversation with you with fresh eyes and an open heart and to really kind of immerse myself in your story with a freshness. And so for me, sex trafficking, first of all, we're neighbors. (laughs) Hi, neighbor. And I didn't even know that happened where I live. So I guess I'm just so curious to know, how did that happen? How did you get involved in sex trafficking in the first place? Well, do you know what? I was your typical teenager, but I was really shy and I was really hurt. This led me to not be able to make friends well. It was very hard for me to keep friends. When a friend came along, I kind of grasped onto that. This girl became my friend. She was a coworker of mine right here in Hamilton. She would compliment me at work. She would tell me she goes to the hottest parties, that you know she slept with Drake, <laughs> whether that's true or not. She presented herself as a really cool person. She came off very strong that she wanted to be my friend. I was honored. I felt really good that I could finally fit in somewhere. And so she invited me to her birth party. She lived in Toronto. So she said, hey, this Friday, I'll pick you up. Why don't you spend the night? We have bottle service at a club. Don't worry about anything. I got you and let's have a good night. So she drove an hour to come pick me up at my dad's house and drove me back to her place. Her and her friends partied. We went out that night. And then I slept over at her house that evening. And the next morning, it was expected that she would drive me back to my home. But we ended up at a strip club. We're sitting in the parking lot of a strip club. And she's just looking at me with these soulless eyes and saying, you owe me $600. Even though she told me previously, everything's on me. Now she put it on me that I owed her money for the rental car. I owed her money for the gas, the bottle service the extra drinks. She listed off all of these things and I was unable to pay her back. You know, I'm 19 years old. (laughs) I didn't have any money at that point. 
she said, Hey, you're going to work for that right now. And then we'll be square. I was so intimidated by her. She was rough around the edges. She made me a little bit nervous. I just kind of played it off and just thought, Oh, well, she wants to be my friend. Who cares? But she really made me nervous. And she said, if I didn't pay her that money that day, that her people would go to my house. Now she knows where I live and she's going to kill my dad and my dog. Oh, Marky. Yeah. Her threat was real. It wasn't an empty threat because a lot of people said, who cares? Just run, go to the cops, right? But I saw the people she hung out with, the crowd that she was with. They had guns, they had drugs. They were scary people. I just said, okay. I went into the club and she handed me what I needed for the day. And I worked that day at the strip club. That was a really hard day. <laughs> I can only imagine, Marky. And I'm just so sorry that that happened. And it sounds to me like she was master manipulation. I'm just so astonished that a woman would do this to a woman. I mean, nobody can be excused for this kind of behavior or mistreating someone, but especially a woman. I just, I can't understand how that happened. You went and worked. That must've been horrible. I mean, you've never done that before. Oh my goodness. No, I wasn't even comfortable in a tank top, let alone, you know, naked on stage Mm -hmm. dancing. And so I went to the owner and I said, I've never danced before. I don't know how to dance. I don't know what I'm doing they gave me tips, like they coached me on it. And it was just such a weird day. They called me on stage and I am shaking. I look, they call it perverts row. It's the first row that people are like right sitting at the the edge of the stage. I knew the four men sitting there. I had worked for them at a part-time job years earlier, standing there horrified. Now it was like, my reputation is done. And I kind of just figured, okay, now people think I'm a stripper. You know, everything's kind of over now. My reputation is ruined. I don't have anything else to lose. So I kind of just clung on to that name, I guess, that title. I imagine it's almost like a a moment where a switch goes off, where the identity you knew yourself as changed because you, you were a victim. You were a victim of these horrible perpetrators. I didn't know this part of your story. So you knew these people and you've never been in this situation. You don't even want to be there. It just must have been such a fragile experience. Did she leave you alone after this? Like, did you do this and then part ways? What happened? I assumed it would, but no, that was actually just the very beginning of what was to come. The end of the night rolled around. I made her that money and I had this weird sense of accomplishment. You know, I was like, okay, Mm. I got the money. Everything's good now. And I almost had this small feeling of pride because I thought, wow, men are paying me because they think that I'm pretty. It's just this weird mixture of being used, but feeling worthy. She picked me up that evening and you know, I opened the door and her hand was out. It was like, give me all the money. I gave her the money and she drove me right back to her place. I didn't ask any questions, like was pretty much figured, like just don't talk to her. So we walked in the house and there were a couple guys there. They said, take this. They gave me a drug, which I, I'm not sure what it was. I just took it. They gave me some alcohol and then they're like, go upstairs. They proceeded to follow me and rape me. I just knew that I was in their control. I can't escape this. At this point, I have so much shame. My reputation is ruined. If I go back to my dad, I have to explain myself. I didn't want that. And I just thought, okay, let's just stick this out. It's got to end at some point. The next morning, they drove me to the club and it was another day of that. It was open to close. You're dancing, you're earning a quota. So my quota was $1,000 a day. It doesn't matter how you earn it, but you must earn it. And then I come home 
and they tell me to shower. So she controlled every area of my life. It wasn't just work for me. It was, you can shower at this time and for this many minutes. You can only use the bathroom at this time. You can't drink this. Maybe you don't eat for a day. You get four hours of sleep one night. Maybe you get 10 the next, but it's always up and down. Cleaned her place. I did whatever she said. And this went on for months and months and months. I know how quickly we can just feel so out of control in our lives, never mind having these scary people manipulate and hurt you and feel like they're controlling you as well. And so were there any moments during this where there was any light for you or was it just a really dark spot where there felt like no hope? It felt like no hope. I remember having a conversation with myself and I said, this is your life now. So you can either be miserable or you can learn to be happy in this life. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to make the best of it. And I I thought, she's such a broken girl. I want to make her happy. So I would go out of my way to, you know, earn her more money. I would go out of my way to make her laugh, to make her smile because she was just a very sad person. And... That's how I kind of got through it. To put into perspective, the earlier you were saying, like, how could a woman do this to a woman? There's a pimp hierarchy. So she was in my position at one point. So she has a pimp who is a man. He pimped her out to the point of manipulating her and training her to do the same to others. So that's what she did with me. And you know what? I don't blame her. She was so broken, had done this for so many years. It's survival for her. There's benefits to being that girl. They call them a bottom bitch in the hierarchy. You know, she was just doing the best she can in the circumstances that she had. I just want to pause here because I want to highlight you. It makes me a little emotional because forgiveness hasn't always been an easy thing for me. I think a lot of people struggle with that. For you to see her in that light and be understanding and almost sympathetic to the journey she's had says so much about you, Marky, and the strength and incredible person you are, because that must have taken some work to get there. (laughs) It did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It took a lot of work to get here. My jaw's open here thinking about you and how vulnerable 19 years, like you're a baby. Obviously, they knew what they were doing. They had total control over you. And then you ended up becoming somewhat friends, if we can call it that with her, where you took on this positive role and thought, I'm going to make a difference. So where did it go from there? How did you get away from her? Traffickers, what they do is they move you from club to club, or you know, if you're doing just sex work from hotel to hotel, Airbnb to Airbnb. At this point, when I got away, we were in Niagara Falls. So I was working at a strip club down there. We were there for a couple of weeks. I had a customer down there who would pay to talk with me every day after work. Naturally, I'm telling them about what's going on in my life. I'm like, I have a roommate, but it takes my money and I'm telling them about what's going on. Right. And he's saying, you have a pimp. That's your pimp. I was like, no, no, it's my girlfriend. Like, she's just a bitch. <laughs> wow. And he's like, nope, that's a pimp. I didn't even think pimps really existed. So I just, I ignored it. And then he says, do you know what? Okay, we're going to plan an escape. One night when she and the other people were off doing a drug deal in Toronto, took that as my chance to get away. So he started the car. I was at the club and I ran out of the club, got in his car. He drove me to a motel. I stayed at that motel for a month. I did not leave at all. You must have been so afraid. I was. I was scared. I thought I was going to get shot down if I walked out of it. I didn't know where to go. I didn't have friends. I was so scared to face what I had done. So I didn't even go to my family. 
And they had known that I became a stripper through people that found out. So I was sitting in the motel and I thought of this guy that I hit it off with a couple years earlier, you know, just in the bar scene. And I called him and he was like, do you know what? I can offer you a place to stay until you get your life sorted out. So I was like, perfect. He picked me up that night, drove me back to Hamilton. I felt like I was going to get on the right track. After about a week of staying with him, he said, you can't just live here for free. And he drove me to a Hamilton strip club. And he said, I know the owner. You just need to help me pay my mortgage. I love you. Because at this point, you know, we, we started to date. We're living together. He's telling me he loves me. I believe it. And that I'm just going to help pay the bills. He convinced me to dance. And he would come in throughout the night and take my money. And I gave it all to him. I would just put it right into his bank account. And I worked for him for about six months thinking that I was in a better spot, but really he was just a pimp, less street, of course, but someone taking advantage of someone in a sexual manner for financial gain. So he pimped me out for a little bit. Long story short, the owner of that strip club actually called the cops and the cops came, questioned me, set me up with a safe house and I got away from my traffickers, but that's kind of where my own spiral came about. Well, yeah, there would just be so much healing. And I can only imagine the lack of trust you would have in people because every time you put trust in someone, they betrayed you. Is a safe house, is that something that's readily available? Is that something we need to work on as a society? I just think of other women out there who could use that. Thank goodness that gentleman called the cops. But if that wasn't something that somebody had done for them, would they be able to find a safe house? Probably not. There's not many in Ontario even just finding space in shelters, you know, not just for people that have been human trafficked, but for women looking for shelter is very hard to come by. So we do need housing specifically for human trafficking victims because it is so complex. It's more than just, you know, a singular sexual assault. It's more than manipulation. It's so many things just kind of tangled up together. And I imagine the sense of self is completely gone. I think it's the survival. You'd have to survive. You would just have to, like you said, I'm going to make the best of this. This is my new reality because you feel trapped and just so unsafe. Thank goodness for that person. So you you said that and you got to that safe house that was the beginning of your journey. Did you take that healing journey from there? What happened? No, I didn't, (laughs) to be blunt. At the safe house, I met someone that was working at the safe house. It was a man and he actually offered me money for sexual services. I accepted it. I took it. I thought, you know, this is my chance to take my power back. I can earn this money and keep this money myself. So I thought that that was me taking the reins. I did that and I kept him as a customer and I just looked for more opportunities to have more customers. Instead of working at the clubs, I just started taking on like higher paying clients kind of like a sugar daddy. I did that and I worked as an escort for years. At the safe house, I met another girl and we decided, why don't we just do this together and just have fun and live our life? We went to LA together and a sugar daddy flew us down. And then we ended up in jail for working in the States. (laughs) After eight and a half weeks of being incarcerated, we came back, started working again During all of this time, I was raised right. I was raised to love myself, respect myself, and respect others. In the back of my mind, I'm just thinking, I'm failing miserably. And I would cover up my pain with alcohol and with Coke and with all these different drugs. 
I really got to the lowest of the lowest point. I called my dad and I mm-hmm. asked to come home and I, I came home that night and started to heal from there. It was a very slow, long process. I was still kept a couple clients on the side, but I enrolled myself in school. You know, I started reading self-help books, started talking to my family again. That's kind of when healing started to actually happen. And I know there's a happy ending because of where you are now. My heart goes out to you. I feel like actually drawn to helping this whole thing come to a complete stop. What can we do to help prevent this? I think the number one thing to help prevent it is really just education. It's getting the word out there. If I would have known what human trafficking was, I would have been able to recognize, okay, hmm, something isn't right and maybe question it. Educating our youth about boundaries, about what predators actually look like. You know, they don't look like a creepy old man. They look like Prince Charming. So I think that is the first step. If you want to get involved, it's always great to donate to a local organization that is trying to put together a safe house or raise funds. There's so many walks or runs that you can be a part of that just raise money towards helping these victims just transition into a normal life. I'm thinking about my daughter who's 16 and my gosh, nobody would think their child would ever go down this path or be victimized by people like this, but I guess this is a reality. So what could we as parents look for that would be sort of key indicators that something's going wrong? First and foremost, I'd say as soon as they start to create space between themselves and you, if they're all in their phone, and I know it's normal for teenagers, but if they're cutting off communication with you and they're spending time with a new friend at all different hours of the day, getting picked up, dropped off, won't tell you much about this new friend, that is a huge red flag. Traffickers don't want anyone to know about them. They'll give you a street name to tell your family. They'll do everything to kind of protect themselves. If your child starts not communicating with you as much, that is a red flag. It's just with social media now and how much our kids are in their phones. It's always been like this like thing in my gut. What are they doing? What person out there? I mean, they can disguise themselves as anything and really take advantage and and victimize just about anybody, male or female. I mean, this probably happens to young men too. Oh, it does. Yeah. There's no way we're going to be able to control and see what our kids are doing online. There's no way. The average amount of Instagram accounts that a teenager has is three that parents don't know about. It's best that you just educate your kids on what healthy relationships look like. What are boundaries? When you feel intimidated or you feel insecure about something, steps to go about that. Paying attention to who they're spending time with, making sure that you're connected and keeping that relationship open in lines of communication and educating them on a healthy relationship. That is gold. Regardless of whether this is a path that they happen to trip upon or not, that is just something I think we need to raise our kids to understand. And we need to better understand that ourselves too. And I'm sure that was a part of the journey for you healing. I do believe in my heart that there's silver linings to everything. As dark as things can be, there's lessons and there's ways you can now turn around and impact and leave a beautiful fingerprint in this world because of that situation and circumstance. What would be the first thing in that process of healing? The first thing that I had to do was really acknowledge and understand the why. Why did I feel this hurt? 
why did I feel this pain inside of me because I was human trafficked? And I thought I am feeling all this emotion and sadness and pain because I feel stupid and embarrassed that I allowed this to happen to me. It was really just more of not that it happened, but that people knew that it happened to me and I didn't do anything to stop it. What that boiled down to was that I didn't feel smart enough. It just brings me back to, you know, I have two older sisters. Adults would come up to my old sister and they would say, wow, straight A's, you are going to be super successful. And then they'd go to my other sister and they'd say, you are one smart cookie. And then they'd go to me and they'd say, look at those eyes and those beautiful long legs. You could be a model. I kind of was like, okay, that's my thing. I'm going to grab onto my looks and that's how I'm going to succeed. When I was human trafficked, success in human trafficking is looks. It's how much money you make. I felt like I was fulfilling almost a purpose. I kind of came to realize that I'm not stupid. I was just, I was kind of conditioned for this. Seeing that from a bird's eye view kind of made me realize this all kind of happened to me. I'm not stupid. You know, it was just easier to understand how I got into that predicament. I relate to you in terms of as a woman, a young girl and attaching my worth to my looks because I was told I was beautiful, but my mother had said something to me and it was so innocent. I know she didn't mean to hurt me, but it was just the wrong thing at the wrong time. And I remember it. I remember what I was wearing, where I was standing. I was so young, but her making this one comment about my body has been a lifelong journey of me coming to terms with, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It matters about the heart. I've raised my daughter, my oldest daughter. I don't even talk about her physical appearance. I will say you're very beautiful when I was brushing her hair at night, but I would never comment on her body because of the impact it had on me. You're saying this, and it just reiterates to me that we have to be so careful about the things we say to young girls so they don't tie their worth up to the way they look. Oh my goodness, yes. That has held me captive for so many years. And you know, I'm just learning that now that worth oh, has nothing to do with how you look. No. And you know, Mark, you are a beautiful woman, but I want you to know as someone who is just getting to know you, and I mean this with all of my heart and sincerity, you are beautiful on the inside. And that is something to be proud of because you can be a beautiful body and be empty. And I think we've all had those moments. I know you have. I just want you to know you, you have it both. And I'm so, so grateful for your story and proud of you, if I can say that, as just a peer for coming out of this and being the evidence for other women. I want to get into trust a little bit because not only men and men paying you and using their eyeballs with you, it's just, ugh. but also women. It's not like you could trust women and couldn't trust men or vice versa. It was just, the, it's humans. How did you build trust back for people? And you must've been even afraid for your life. I didn't feel like I could trust anybody. I mean, I wouldn't even go to the grocery store. I wouldn't even go out. I was just so afraid, but it took so many years to build to start trusting people. And I think the biggest thing was the trust in men because you're working and you know, I would say 90% of these men have rings on their finger. It just disgusted me. Even then, sometimes I would turn people away and just be like, you have a wife. It has always hurt me. And so my solution to that was I was going to become a lesbian. 
And I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to like girls. Okay. I understand you can't force yourself to do that now, but it sounded like a good solution. So we took that out of the equation. And I met my now husband. He has been it for me for learning how to trust. When we first started dating, I had all of the trust issues in the book. I did not trust him at all. And it really took a lot of ups and downs. This guy, this man, he is incredible. I mean, my husband, he is unlike any other man that I've ever come across in my life. And it was so hard for me to know that there are different types of people, not just men. There are different types of people out there. People are not bad. I was in a bad position. You know, I was in strip clubs. I was in escort agencies. Of course, I'm not going to come across the men who aren't cheating. I'm the, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I saw him, it was very confusing for me. And I would spit out all my hatred towards men on him. Oh, it was just so sad. You know, I was such a bad girlfriend. But what I realized was that trusting him was really just learning to love myself. I am not whole because he loves me and because he is faithful to me. And that's how I felt at the beginning. If I'm his one and only, if he doesn't look at that pretty waitress or if he doesn't glance at the movie screen at those pretty women, then I am worthy. And if he does, then my world shatters. As I learned to love myself and gain confidence with myself, it didn't matter what he was doing, if he was doing anything. It just mattered that I was confident with myself. I had my own back. What a beautiful message because it's so true. We can't be a partner or live in a relationship if we aren't looking in the mirror and being proud and loving who we are. And that is a lifelong process. Can you do me a favor? I know people are like leaning in listening to this. What are tactical things that someone could do that would help build them up and build that confidence back? I would say think about five times in your life where you beat the odds. We all have those. We've done it so many times. We've grown, we've accomplished so much. What are your proudest accomplishments? What are those things? And hold on to that. Reflect back because it's so easy when you're in a weak moment, when you're feeling so insecure and you're not valuable or you're hurt, you just feel very small. But if you can reflect back to those times where you've conquered life, you've conquered yourself, you've beat it, that can put you in a position where you're like, I am stronger than I think right now. You know, I am capable of so much more that my mind is allowing me to believe Mm -hmm. right now. Because that's one of the things I actually do in my life coaching and health coaching is I say to people, if we actually wrote out, and it's not a fun letter necessarily to write, some of those moments we've overcome might be sad, hurtful, traumatic moments, but you overcame them. And that shows strength and power. And you know, I've had some of my clients actually write themselves letters of all the things they've been through. And it's been a hurtful journal entry. But at the end, when they put the pen down, they just see how strong they are. They're warriors. Like, oh my goodness, it didn't defeat me. I defeated it. I think there's no coincidences in life. And if anybody's going to be a great mentor at teaching about body image, loving the skin you're in, looking after yourself and your health, it would be you. Because I trust people who have walked a path. I want to follow someone who can relate to me and empathize with me in my weak times. And obviously, you would be just such an incredible mentor for other women because you've worked through hard stuff. So tell me, how did that all start and unfold? And where are you at with your fitness coaching? I've always loved fitness from a little girl. My dad actually started me running when I was about five years old and got me in my first marathon when I was 18. 
And so I've always kind of had that background. While I was on my healing journey, I need something to grasp onto here to keep me alive. I found myself registered to do a yoga teacher course, having never done yoga before. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Want to become a yoga teacher because I just thought, wow, this is going to be such a spiritual journey and it's going to help heal my mind. And little did I know that the physical aspect of it was so great combining the body and the mind into one practice. Wow. It really, really helped me. And then through there, I got curious and I was like, Ooh, let's get into weight training. I picked up some weights. I would Instagram fitness models and I would study their videos for form. And I studied the art. I got my personal trainers certificate started taking family and friends on as clients, it was really such a great experience because first you just think, okay, I'm going to teach them how to get in shape, reach their goals. But you realize that it's not just about that. It's all the roadblocks that these women have in their mind to achieving their goals, right? It's not just, okay, this is what I have set out for you. It's how was your week? How was your day? What are you going through in your mind? We need to release everything with a clear mind in order for you to crush your fitness goals. And so I work one-on-one with women who really just want to progress in emotional health, mental health, and physical health. And it's kind of like an all-in-one, one-in-one program where we really get to the root of what holds them back and get them to kick ass. (laughs) Fitness coaching, and I know a lot of them, and I've coached fitness coaches, a lot of them are after the physique and the macros, and they think that those two things combined are going to create a person in their healthiest form. But what you just said is it's the emotional healing as well. The lack of eating, the binge eating, the emotional attached to eating, all those things, the self-sabotage, those things are what create a wholeness in health. And when we exclude that part and just think about move your body and eat the good things, yeah, you'll have results, but nothing compared to body, mind, spirit. I'm so grateful that that's your message and that's what you're teaching women. That will be very, very huge for anybody who aligns with you. It's been so great so far. And it it is such a joy for me to walk alongside women on their journey because you know they sign up because they want a better body. And then we end up forgiving someone on a Zoom call. And it's just so powerful. You are so powerful, Marky. And you climbing out of that pit and shining bright and showing up and wanting to change lives for other women and letting your experience be something that you can help other people with is such a beautiful story. And I cannot wait to see where you take it because I know this is just the icing on the cake for you. And I'd love to know how you're going to be iconic today. I will be iconic today by opening up what is making me have that vulnerability hangover and kind of explore if I have shame or guilt or any emotion coming up and kind of just grow from that instead of drinking a bottle of wine. Although drinking a bottle of wine sounds lovely, but you're right. It's numbing. It's avoiding. It's not serving us. You're so epic. How many women wouldn't say stuff like that or not want to own that. And you're, you're just saying, I just want to lean in to the discomfort because you've done that, Marky. Like This is who you are. And your story is you've leaned into discomfort because you know there's another side to this. I'm just so grateful for your openness because who knows? You know, When you open your story and you open yourself to share, 
we hope that it has massive impact. I mean, all of us hope that, right? But at the end of the day, if this podcast hits the ears of one person and their life is completely transformed because they found somebody that understands them and they found hope and they see a vision for their future that may be different than what they're in right now, what more could you ask or we ask? And I, I just feel in my heart that you sharing this is going to open doors for others. And I am really, really grateful for you being willing to do that, Marky. Oh, that makes me so happy. Thank you for allowing me to come out and share and, and respect me while I share. That was very important to me. Coming into this, I did a lot of prayer and wanted to make sure that I held you on the highest standard and regard and, and respected you through this story. It was very important. So I appreciate you saying that back to me because it meant my prayers were answered. And I just want people to find you. And if someone's feeling like, oh my goodness, this is the perfect health coach and fitness coach for me, she would understand me. And where can they find you? How can they, they search you out? Find me on my Instagram. It's marky.eta. Beautiful. And I will link that in the show notes and make that readily available to everybody. For the last time, I've said it a hundred times, but it's because I mean it. Thank you so much, Marky, for being here, sharing your story and blessing us with the knowing that we can come back from anything when we're willing and wanting to, and when we dig in deep and, and learn more about ourselves. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how deeply grateful I am for the time and space you give to the Becoming Iconic podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to show up here twice a week and pour into you. And thank you for those five-star reviews that you've been giving and those beautiful compliments. It means so much. And the time you spend to do that is just the most beautiful way to give back. The other thing I want to challenge us to as a community is to share more. It's so simple to copy this link into a text to a friend who you think would benefit from what you just listened to or share it into your stories. Make sure to tag me, by the way, because I love resharing and allowing your network to maybe discover something that they wouldn't have if it weren't for you. And just a gentle reminder that jenspiegel.com, that website was designed for you, for you in mind and what you need in your life and business, the blog, the resources, the different ways of working together, they all sit there and they're available to you. So I challenge you to go over there, make it a habit of checking out what's new and exciting. At the end of the day, I just want you to know I love this community. I appreciate being able to show up for you and I just want you to make it a great day.